they should be like like a perfume. I never buy the same perfume twice because each perfume is kind of one time in life. So I like I sort of apply the same thing to my to my journal. So they're all different. And I have, I think, roughly 130 downstairs. Hello there, my fellow sophisticated creatives. Welcome to JCV Art Studio from the dressing room. Ozzy is in the studio, of course. It is 7 p.m. on a Sunday when I'm doing this recording. And that's because today's guest is joining me from Japan and it's 11 a.m. their time. I'm excited to have Vanessa Asel Tsuruga on the podcast. Vanessa is an author. Her book, Forget Me Not Forever, was originally published in Swedish and has since been published in English. She is currently working on her second novel. On her LinkedIn account, she does global branding sports content with Rakuten, and she is a fiction author. And like I said, Vanessa is joining us from Japan. Vanessa, welcome to my little art studio here. Thank you so much for having me. Hello from Japan. Konbanwa, Canada, as we would say. Good evening, Canada. (laughs) Canada, we have English and we have one province, Quebec, that's French. So I say, welcome, Japan. Bonjour, Japan. <laughs> Wonderful. Thanks for having me on the show. I'm, I'm delighted to be here today. You know, I was thinking about this pandemic, and I thought as awful as it has been, it has also brought some very amazing event, things, events together. I saw my Facebook memory from a year ago, and I never would have thought a year ago I would be interviewing an author from Japan. So thank you. No, and that's, that's, I think, exactly what's been happening. I mean, it's, you know, you're just being connected together and, uh, and they're meaningful connections. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely. So before we start talking about your novel, Forget Me Not Forever, beautiful title. Can you tell our listeners what it is you do at Rakuten? Sure. So uh, I work here in Tokyo at the global head office of a Japanese tech giant called Rakuten. And we have more than 70 business units uh, in the portfolio, but I work mostly with four global units. And one of them is Rakuten Kobo, which does uh, audiobooks and ebooks. And my job is to use the uh, sports properties that Rakuten has in its portfolio to create content and to connect with consumers out there to have them start using our services. And and one of the sports uh, properties that we work with is FC Barcelona. Okay. Yeah, so right now we're doing some very cool uh, content with with Kobo that's going to be coming out later this month. So yeah, it's a it's a content creation slash social slash digital storytelling job. It sounds amazing. It's fun. Yeah, yeah. it is fun. Yeah. So I'm curious, how many languages do you know? Right. So I speak four. Um, mother tongue, Swedish. Um, and then I picked up English from age 13 when I moved to Barcelona and attended an international school. Living in Barcelona, I picked up Spanish. And then I moved to Japan in my early 20s and I picked up Japanese. So yeah, that's that's four. See, to me, that sounds amazing because I have lived in Canada all my life. I know English. I, I won't claim I know French. We took <laughs> French in school from grades right. eight to 12. Um, so when I was reading your book and I was reading your biography, 
and I was telling my my friend about your biography, we just found it fascinating <laughs> how you've moved, where you've been. And at one point, and this isn't to call down my country, but I said to her at one point, I said, I wish Canada wasn't so big. <laughs> so I could <laughs> feel like I was going to different places. Yeah. <laughs> right. So anyways. No, it's been it's been a very fortunate journey. It's it's really, yeah, I'm so grateful for having been to these places, but also, you know, have lived there and you know, just be able to to call them home. Good, good. So when did you start writing? In a sense, I think I've been a writer all my life. Um, I picked up my first journal, um, which was a gift from my grandmother in um, in 1989. I was 11. So from that day onwards, I wrote, uh, I kept a journal for 21 years straight, every night. So that was a lot of journaling. Um, I've been writing letters. I've been writing stories. Like stories is kind of second nature. It's it's always been something I've really enjoyed doing. And it's in the last two decades that I've actually like been writing, writing. And yeah, I think we'll talk more about how long I spent on writing my first book, but I already spoiled it. I spent like two decades writing my first book. Yeah. Well, we'll get more into that. Yeah. Interesting. You mentioned about journals. Again, my best friend. I know the podcast listeners can't see this, but I received this from her yesterday. Oh, and what it is, is you open it. Hmm. Well, what I'm holding up for our listeners is a journal. And it says on the cover, not all who wander are lost. And it's, you just like the, it's it's beautiful yeah I mean journals are are so important I like my journals um uh, just plain white pages I and I don't like the spiral on the sides like I have I have a way and they all need to be different they should be like like a perfume I never buy the same perfume twice because each perfume is kind of one time in life so I like I sort of apply the same thing to my to my journal so they're all different and I have, I think, roughly 130 downstairs. Journals. Yes. Fantastic. I think it's very important important that women see that there are so many opportunities available to them, especially in the area of science and sports. Now, you have a family. You are an author, as well as working as a senior manager, global sports digital strategy with Rakuten. So I was wondering, where do you find the time to write? I, I think about this a lot as well. And, and the answer I've given in the past, it's that time finds me. Yeah, I, I enjoy writing. And I think it's easier to do things you enjoy doing, right? So Yes, I do have three kids. I do work a full-time job. Um, I play volleyball. I, you know, it's it's a fairly um, active life we're leading here. Even now, despite the the pandemic going on, still, you know, safe, staying safe and all that. But for sure, there's still time left in the day. And and sometimes you need to be in the mood to write and you have to need you need to have the time to write and those don't always overlap and i think that's when you can feel a little stress uh but yeah the the time tends to find me because i like it well, that's beautiful thank you by any <laughs> chance do you write poetry you know what i just started writing haiku okay haiku is like five syllables seven syllables five and just from a few days ago, I started applying it to my Instagram feed as well, because I just wanted to give my pictures a little bit of um, value to the to the followers. And I also wanted to practice. So what I do is I write, I have a picture, and then I write a haiku in English, and then I write a similar-ish haiku in Swedish. So it kind of, it gets my, my, my brain thinking. So yeah, again, uh, writing finds time for me. Excellent. Wow. Okay. So let's talk about your book. Forget, sure. forget Me Not Forever. And by the way, I absolutely love Forget Me Nots. I, they are, Thank you. There's such a dainty, tiny little flower. Your book, 
gave me faith in mankind and reminded me of a gentler time and faith that there are kind people in the world. And I am an optimistic person, but it just, maybe there was this innocence about it as well. So can you tell our listeners what the inspiration was behind your book? Because you, you talk about the great friendship among friendships among women. So what was the inspiration? Yeah, I think the inspiration came from, from two places. And one is, is exactly what you mentioned that, that bond between girlfriends. Um, there's something special about it. And I still am in touch very, very closely with my friend from, from preschool, from kindergarten. And I met her the first day of kindergarten when I was six years old. And she just sent me a letter because it's my birthday tomorrow. And she sent me a letter. So even in the pandemic, she managed to send me a letter by which arrives by my birthday. So Keeping friendships alive over time is something I hold, hold very, very dear. Um, so one is definitely the that very strong bond amongst women. And then the second, um, the second, I think, thread throughout the book is is the the traveling, but not also the not only the traveling, but the the moving and going to places, saying hello leaving places, saying goodbye. And that's a very emotional um, process, uh, but it all, it all comes together because you end up creating new bonds, new friendships, you know, in every new place you, you end up going to. And so, yes, my, my sort of world travels and how friendship and these strong women tie it all together is, is a, a main theme of the book. Good, okay. We touched upon it a little bit. How long did it take to write Forget Me Not Forever? Yeah, so this is, it's actually a mystery how this story even survived because I started writing this like in the early 2000s. And I don't know how many computers ago that was. I must have switched computers four or five times. Yeah. And the story survived, um, I guess, digital, maybe, I don't, I don't think it was a floppy disk because floppy disks were like before that time, but I mean, it just survived. I think I emailed it to me a bunch of times and, and my grandmother who passed away in 2009 read a draft. So that just goes to show that there was a draft already printed like way back more than 10 years ago. So a very, very long process. But, but as you mentioned before, I, I have traveled, I've, I've moved internationally quite a few times between Japan and, and Sweden during those years. I started my family, always worked a full-time job, um, got a master's, moved to Greece. So there's, there's definitely always been things going on. I'm just so grateful for the story that it stayed with me. Yeah. I think I I owe I owed it to the story to get it done. <laughs> I understand. My first book, same thing. I wrote it when we moved to Victoria. It had been written, full manuscript. I'm just remembering back here. And I remember at that time, you were talking about floppy disks. I had a thumb drive. And the thumb drive at that time was too powerful to fit in. The computer I had at that time. <laughs> yeah. But somehow, like you said, I must have emailed it to another computer. I saved yeah. it on this thumb drive. Yeah. And the fact that you say, like, I kept the thumb drive, like you said, you you feel like you owe, owed it to this story. You've survived yeah. this long. Yeah. Yes, yeah. exactly. I'm so glad you have a, a similar experience yeah. in that sense. Yeah. In Forget Me Not Forever. You refer to a binder. It is a binder with plastic sheets, which people can insert letters and notes and mail or pass to people all over the world. Can you explain to our listeners the binder and why it's named Amelia, which I think is, I know why, and I think it's fabulous, but I think everybody, everybody needs to know about this binder and its name. Thank you so much. Um, the binder... It actually 
the idea for the binder came because I found a book in a park in Tokyo about two decades ago. And it had some notes in it to uh, to pass it on. And I was like, wow, I'd walked one of those days when you're out walking for like the whole day and you just end up in a place where you had not expected. So I found that book. Similarly, when I lived in Kobe uh, a few years later, I found something that somebody had left on a bench. Um, so I, I like the fact that you leave something for somebody and you don't know who's going to pick it up, right. but it gets a life. And, and that's, I applied those two experiences to this, this binder. And it's a, it's a, it's one of these ring binders, like you mentioned, like with, with like these plastic sheets and you can, you know, you, you put things in from, from the top and they, and they kind of stay in place. Right. And, and the, what I wanted to convey is that this becomes this sort of traveling entity, this vehicle of ideas that you receive this binder either because somebody gave it to you purposely or you just found it somewhere and you add to this binder. So maybe you add a poem, you add a, a painting, you add something, a picture, a photograph. There's quite a few photographs and, and postcards in it. And then you pass it on. And the last person to receive this binder sends it back to the girls, Felicia and Alma. So this passing it on, um, yeah, that's that's what I wanted this this binder to do, just full of ideas. Yeah. Well, I'm sure glad you translated it into English because it is a beautiful story. And what made you decide like just what made you decide okay it's in swedish i'm going to put it into i'm going to translate it into english right so swedish is my mother tongue and i wrote it in swedish because um i wanted to kind of honor my my swedish roots having lived abroad for more than 20 years um given however that it was quite difficult to write it in swedish because i speak what i call like morning Swedish which like kind of like good morning Swedish you know like when you're a teenager and you're living abroad you don't speak to your parents a whole lot and your parents are basically the the link back to your mother tongue right so so my Swedish was was good but I was kind of I I really was freaking out a little bit about using my my mother tongue and whether it would be good enough but I did get a great response from readers back home so once once it was out in Swedish I'm like okay I like this story, but Sweden is, is it's small. We have 9 million people living in Sweden, right? So um, the only way to get it out there would be to, to translate it. And that's, uh, that's when I started looking for translators. And, and uh, yeah, fi- I found a, a couple in Sweden, in the south of Sweden, this American-Swedish couple, and they, they brought it to life. So, so similar to to the binder which you mentioned before and I I just want to mention uh, Amelia the name of the the binder right so so Amelia Earhart was this um this pioneer she was a pilot she's the first uh lady who who flew across the the Atlantic solo and she also wrote books. So, so the, the, the name of the binder is Amelia, yeah. uh, which, which made it possible for the characters to say like, oh, do you think Amelia will ever come back? Because mm-hmm. there's also a parallel story to Amelia actually crashing into the Atlantic. Yeah. Um, and so, so likewise, you know, similar to Amelia and the binder, just giving this story a new life and a new path, like bringing it into English was also a way for me to to just give it a new whole world to be discovered in. Yeah. Excellent. Because it it, 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 it has, yeah, it has been. Yeah. 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 Have you noticed any changes at all through the translation? Has it, is the English version fairly accurate and true to the Swedish version? It is the same story plot-wise, um, sequencing-wise, uh, but we did make, I would say, improvements um, to the to the story. Um, 
there were also times when I like playing with words and you know that playfulness works awesome in Swedish but just when you translate it it's like oh <laughs> that was awkward <laughs> like and like how awkward should you get right like so like we had there's this I just want to give you one example yeah. we had in Swedish there's a there's a kind of a slogan like let's say you just want to get going like you say like framot mash pankaka and this in English translated means march ahead pancake <laughs> and, and we laughed so hard i mean this became like the laughing stock of of the english translation like march ahead pancake and we were like should we use this and i'm like oh my gosh this is this is like the embarrassment is kind of a little bit too high to put this into the text yeah. but this did turn into our project slogan so we did remove it from the text but we're like me and the translators that that's what we that's what we go by at the moment yeah <laughs> funny that is funny yeah just quite didn't make it <laughs> it didn't yeah. no yeah. <laughs> and I get all these like pancake emojis you know like you know on my on my comments and we're like let's just so we've been playing around with it so so it was playful in the beginning in the Swedish and it just ended up playful but yeah we took it out yeah <laughs> good, good. Um, this book, it's beautiful at many levels, but ultimately, I think it's the friendship between Alma and Felicia. There is another friend, Bruno, who owns a cafe, and he says it so elegu eloquent, uh, elegantly, hmm. you are beautiful friends for life. You are each other's port and always will be. Hmm. Will you, do you agree or do you believe, well, it's your novel. So what I, what I also picked up from it was that this novel was about surviving day-to-day -day life. Would, what do you, what do you think about my interpretation or of thinking that as well? No, I, I totally agree with you. And I think, you know, every story has, needs a conflict and there's basically, of course, there's a conflict in this story as well. And there's there's ways um, they need to find. They need to find their own, their new footing to, to get through this conflict. And, and I think this quote, um, it's very telling. And I'm so happy you picked this out because it's, it's very dear to me. Um, and I did think about it as, you know, we're we're traveling, like we're on like oceans, but there's always that one person that you can kind oh. of return to and you just feel tied to that person in the same way that like a boat or a yacht or something is tied to that special spot. So it's, it's about, I think, friends being friends because of their characters, but it's also because friends being oftentimes sort of tied to to a certain location yes yes definitely so in the novel Felicia and Alma they're 18 years old uh Felicia and Alma joke about Amelia the binder returning home like you had said right um now you said like there is conflict a conflict yeah, so, I mean, imagine it's Christmas, you know, people are out getting their Christmas gift, you're rushing because you want to get everything done on time. And uh, yeah, this is one of the times in the book when there's a, there's a, there's a twist to the, to the story. Yeah. And it's, it's a matter of how are the, the, the two characters, you know, how, what happens after, how do they how do they deal with a twist and and how can you still yeah keep on being you in in the whole thing yeah it, it took me by surprise it I did not expect it at all mm -hmm. and uh there it just the how they try to pick up like you said and carry on yeah mm -hmm. and Felicia's father gives Felicia a pen and tells her to write um, and after a while, he says, he tells her to write and he says, and after a while, the little helpers mm -hmm. who are invisible 
will help you find the words to understand life. Would you say writing is therapy for your character, Felicia, to come to terms with what's happened? And I have to ask, what are the little helpers? (laughs) The little helpers. I'm so glad you picked up on this because I remember I was in my in my grandparents' kitchen. And if I'm not mistaken, it was the same weekend as the the 9-11 New York incident. So, because I I, I remember what happened afterwards, I went down to the lake and just stood there for a while. So spending some time with my grandparents that specific weekend alone, and we spoke about writing because my grandmother also wrote quite a lot. She liked writing and my grandfather liked liked writing as well. And she always referred to what she called in Swedish, like the little helpers. And it's imaginary little dudes, creatures, people that come into your head and kind of help you get the words out. So yes, little helpers, I think they kind of live with us writers, but they don't come out all the time because I think they're tired too at times, (laughs) but I I think they're befriend the helpers and yeah and they'll be there for you okay so what i use this is it doesn't have anything to do with writing but i remember our my my husband and i our two girls when they would get catch the cold or catch a flu i would always say to them you know you need to take your medicine and i would and i would say you need to take your medicine so the little soldiers can fight the germs and fight the illness, you know, and um, my daughter, who's a nursing student, student, she said she's going to remember that when she has to deal with maybe a child who's who's fighting something like you need to take your medicine, the little soldiers, you know, you got to get some ammo in there to fight this germ or, or whatever, right. And I'm so going to take that because my son is getting a vaccine shot tomorrow. And he was he was not happy. So thanks, Joanna. Yeah. I will. And I don't care what your little soldiers, what they wear or what they do, but (laughs) just they're there. Yeah. Forget me not flowers are the recurring theme in your book. And I was wondering, where did that inspiration come from? Yeah. So there was this very strong image of vision, I should call it, of Barcelona. Barcelona has hills in the background. I don't know if you've, or in the, yeah, going up toward the, you've never been. Okay, so you'll go, you will go. (laughs) So there's, there's a mountain called Tibidabo. And my school was very close to this mountain. And sometimes we just walk up to the mountain and just, it's got trails. It's beautiful. And yeah, that was just a strong vision. It was covered by forget-me-nots. Um, And then I thought, like, imagine you could actually have forget-me-not seeds and have them travel around and you you plant them in places to remember things. So, yeah, that's it came from it came from a vision. Okay, and those forget-me-not seeds are very important in the story as well. They are. They are. I'm going to give it away. (laughs) (laughs) You have very beautiful scenes in this novel. Thank you. Um, Your character, Felicia, there's a scene. She is 13. She is in Egypt. And you write about Felicia felt so small amongst the grandest buildings of ancient Egypt. And I'm just like, oh, gosh. And there's one evening when she is enjoying a moment of reflection on a roof terrace and she has the full view of the Great Pyramids. Now, and, and also she she's sipping, I, I, it sounds like it's a tea, carcade? It is. Carcade, mm-hmm. yeah. Carcade. Yeah. And it's made from hibiscus flowers. And I, th- I thought, oh, Vanessa has done this. <laughs> Can you tell us what that was like for someone who's never left Canada except to go to Maui? <laughs> <laughs> of course, of course. Uh, I traveled with my husband to Egypt in 2009, and it was a trip that that blew us away in so many ways. And at one point, we rented an apartment, and it's it's this what you're reading. 
is very, it's a very personal moment that I kind of copy pasted into the book. Um, and it was me sitting on that rooftop and yes, like a carcade in a small glass, you drink, you drink it in glasses, not in teacups. So it's like in, in a small glass with some gold around it. And it's got this kind of burgundy-ish reddish color to this tea. Um, and I was sitting there sipping it and, you know, the, the pyramids, the great pyramids, there's three of them were lit up. And I was sitting there drinking my tea, watching these pyramids. And it was one of those kind of, what do you call it? Like an otherworldly type of moments where something which people still don't totally understand how they built it. Um, and I'm sitting there and of course you you do feel small against that. But at the same time, you know, mankind built that. So you're kind of one small fraction of, of everything great that happened everywhere. So um, yeah, it was a, it was a big moment. And, and I did want to, I did want to put it into the book. I'm so glad you did um, because that's the one, that's one of the things why I love reading mm. is because you can take, for example, me and just because of my different, you know, everyone has a different individual life circumstance, right? So I sitting in on Vancouver Island in Canada can pick up your book. Well, actually it was on my e-reader. Okay. right? Yeah. <laughs> I can, you know, I'm reading your book and I am taken away from Vancouver Island. I'm taken away from pandemic. I'm taken away from all of this. And I am reading about your character, Felicia, sitting on a rooftop, looking at the Great Pyramids. And, and that's, oh, that's the beauty of liking and reading books. Yeah, I so appreciate your comment because I think, I mean, also naturally what happened in the last one year when people just people don't even know where their passports are anymore because they haven't used them. They've expired some of them. So yeah, I, I, I was so happy that, you know, the timing of all this, yes, I told you, I wrote, I wrote it for maybe two decades, but I released the Swedish version um, International Women's Day last year, which is March 9th. And it was weeks before, you know, the pandemic broke out. So at, at that time, I was able to just throw something out there that's all about traveling around the world. So, yeah, the, you know, it's just the, the timing of things is pretty spectacular. It, it's it was it was very beautiful. And I I just I really, I really enjoyed it. And thank you. Just taking the person out of this time to a different time. Yeah. I have sometimes mentioned about weaving a story um you know you, you're weaving all these different ideas and plot lines and i love how you describe writing and this is taken from your book it's like a long line of dancers the words linked arms to one another and moved across the pages in new formations that had never been seen before oh, and mm -hmm. so I was thinking, was that, did you work on that sentence, that narrative? Or sometimes I know when I write, it's almost like you put down one word and you stop and you look at it and you know the idea you have in your head. And then you see that word and you think, for me, I think I can work with this. Mm -hmm. So was, was that that type of a moment or was that something that just came to you? This, this is also like, it's, it's a vision because, and this came to me, I think I wrote something in high school. So I must've been like 15, 16 years old in Barcelona. And, and I took it from my, my brain somewhere from way, way, way in the past. And, and the, the vision of this word or this sentence again is, is, there's something in Swedish, which, which is called like a long dance. Okay. And it's, a, it's like a long dance. And it's like people really like linking up like by the elbows and like dancing. Okay. And I did think of, of words like that. You know, they're just words and sentences. Stories are 
words being interlinked. So it really came out of, yeah, the, the, the inspo came from this, this dance, this traditional dance, which we dance at midsummer for the summer solstice in, in Sweden and my, in Leksand, which is one of the places that I, that I mentioned in the story. So yeah, it, it did come from, um, I saw it visually and then I turned it into a couple of sentences. Excellent. Excellent. Okay. So in 1997, just taking another part of your book mm-hmm. and I used to be a personal trainer. So whenever I read anything about fitness or a marathon, I'm just, my eyes kind of go, oh, okay. <laughs> and I have done two half marathons. Nice. I haven't done a marathon. Okay. So in the novel, it's 1997. Felicia is participating in the New York Marathon. And you have to be a good runner to be in the New York Marathon. Um, I just like I, I with I heard the Boston Marathon. Uh, another runner I knew, she had to get so people our listeners know she had to get qualifying runs. Yeah. You can't just go in it. Anybody you have to That's correct a certain time before you can even you know, they'll be accepted. And uh, you write, and there's no way you're a mayor. If you're running the New York Marathon, you are not a mayor. Okay? <laughs> I'm the mayor, okay? <laughs> okay. So, but, but you write, I am a mayor with the energy of a stallion. And it was this next part, heel strike, midfoot, toe off. Heel strike, midfoot, toe off over and over and over again. And I read that and I thought, boom, boom. And Mm. I I just, that's it. That is exactly how your feet are going. And you, you have a beat with that sentence. And um, was that your intention um, that you wanted to get that beat with that sentence? You are so right, because I mean, you picked up exactly what I wanted to convey and, and I used to work for ASICs. So I've been in, in running in the running business for, for 12 years. So, and I've worked very closely to the product developer. So I did use um, even some of the, you know, the, the running lingo, right? And I, this specific sentence, I worked very closely with a translator to get it right. Um, and it's, it's that sentence that you just read times what? A billion to finish a marathon, but it is it is a sequence that is repeated over and over and over again. Um, yeah, because after re- reading that scene, it made me wanted to go out and train again. For nice. That is that is awesome. Yeah, it did, and so hopefully my back can handle it. Um, a number of years, I used to be a step instructor jumping up and down on us on a stepper. So, but I I read that and I thought, oh, I want to I want to do a long distance run again. Mm. I miss that. Um, and you, if you've been in a half marathon or whether it's walking, running, um, or the we have a very popular in Victoria. It's called the ten kilometer run the greater victory I can't remember the name right now but it, yeah. it's very popular and you write about seeing a man limping in front of you mm. and the back of the t-shirt it says I am Sam <laughs> yeah. and I so got that because <laughs> that's what you see when you're running you that's all you see are the people in front of you and there are different running styles and I've been there where you're reading <laughs> all the backs of the shirts right so the marathon scenes are fantastic. And when you started writing this novel, did you plan on including the New York marathon in it? Such a nice question. And the answer is no, because I ran a New York marathon twice in 2008 and 2009. And, and I did four other marathons in, in Sydney, uh, Tokyo and Stockholm. So yeah, I've got six under my belt, but this specific, um, the marathon text, 
is something I wrote originally as a, it's almost like a practice piece where I, I ran my, okay, I ran the marathon in, it was right, just over four hours. And I wanted initially that text to be four hours long. I wanted it to be as long as the marathon. Um, And so that was the initial intent with the the text. Um, And then like some things, they just kind of, you know, you lose it for a few years, but then I did pick it up and I did, it, it occurred to me that it has parallels to what some of the characters are going through in the story. And that running a marathon is, a, it's, a, it's a, an incredibly big undertaking and challenge. And, and then I started intercutting this, the, the original text into, into the story, just trying to find where each piece would be sort of fitting in the best. So it's a slight Frankensteining of works, but I think it worked really well in the end. It did. It, yeah. it worked so well. And yes, running a marathon or a half marathon, it, it every part of your being, you know, the physicality, the mental, the mental, I w- I'll say the mental toughness of yeah. you're going to get through this. And if I could share this one story, I remember I had done the Oak Bay Marathon in Victoria and my good friend, who's also an author, who on Instagram, I have to give her the credit, Carol Ann, she was the one who came up with Nightmare Hangover or or (laughs) Dream Hangover. Carol, that was Carol Ann's Dream Hangover. So this lady, she knew I was doing the Oak Bay Marathon. She lives in Oak Bay. And she said, I'll meet you at the finish line. So, sorry, it was a half marathon. Mm. So, only thing I could remember is I'm coming in and I'm just, I, I am spent. And I saw Carol Ann and mm. she's holding in her hand. Now, she's not a, she's a petite lady. Mm. And she's holding a Gatorade bottle. <laughs> and I kid you not, I'm running and I'm not looking at the finish line anymore. I could see her walking towards the end and I'm watching the Gatorade bottle <laughs> the legs of the people who are watching the, the people coming in. And I just, I'm, I'm following that Gatorade bottle, right? You know? So, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and I think that's, I mean, every every race, everything has a starting light and a finish line, right? Yeah, yeah. And when... So the other thing that happens is Felicia is in New York doing the marathon and she's staying with a very refined Mrs. Hewson <laughs> who lives in an apartment in Manhattan. And you learn that her husband had kept a diary. Mm. And I wanted to know, why do you think people keep diaries? Yeah. I think we have a human need almost to like leave a trace. Um, And it's also good for you. It's so healthy. I think the, you know, the, 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 the mental health benefits to like getting your brain out of your brain and onto paper sleeping. I think that's, what's going to start decreasing the, the dream hangovers, right? Because it just like, cleanses you right so I think journaling has it has so many benefits and even now my youngest kid is five he doesn't know how to write words yet but he sits beside me in bed at night and he keeps a journal and he's like mom we have to write our journals now so yeah it's just something you can do and it doesn't really even have to make sense, but I think it's the ritual of it that just makes it, yeah, it, it helps you clean. It's, and in, in a way, I like that, clean. Yeah. And it's mm, almost like meditation mm-hmm. in a way. It's, yeah. yeah. It is. Yeah. It is. Okay. So, like, as you had mentioned, you weave in parts of the story with the marathon 
And I loved it how you compare running the New York Marathon to the human race. And that Mm -hmm. really jumped out at me, just human race. And I believe from reading your novel that as we talked, that life is a marathon, Um, whether we run it or we walk it, or in the case, the fellow in the wheelchair who did Mm -hmm. the New York marathon. Um, And was that a message you were trying to, well, I I won't say try, because you definitely got the message. I picked up on that message. Was that your intention? Yes. And, and again, I mean, I'm, I'm so glad that, that things got conveyed in, in how I intended them to be. And, and the human race, that, that's something that came out in the English version, because we, we don't say it like that. I think I had it, you know, I intended it to mean that, but that, that exact, the terminology there, the human race makes perfect sense in English. So that's again, back to the question of like how, if there was any change between the Swedish and the English story, but for sure, um, it's something that definitely came alive. And I think, you know, there's, there's challenges all the time. And, and like we mentioned before, there's a starting line and there's a finish line to everything, but everything starts with like picking up a pen or, opening up your, 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 your computer to write that story. So it's, it's really just trying to get people to a starting line, like whatever that starting line may be. Right. Right. Okay. Whether it's even a starting line with creating art or creating music. Yeah. Anything. Yeah. Okay. So what's next? Tell me there's another book. You're doing another book, right? <laughs> I do have things boiling. Um, I have one thing, uh, one book that I called, well, working name is, is Boira. Boira means uh, fog in Catalan, in the language that's spoken in, spoken in Catalonia in Spain. And this is a story about a, a young man who goes to visit his grandmother in the countryside um, and he ends up going off the grid for, for a year. Um, so that's one thing. It's a work of fiction. Um, and I'm also sort of venturing into a memoirs-based piece of work and with a story that I call Moneymaker, Mover, Mother, Me. Oh, wow. Wow. And it's a long title, but it's it's almost on, on purpose that way, because what I do here is that I look at 18 different roles or responsibilities um, that I do sort of simultaneously at times. I'm a writer. I'm a marketer. Um, I do this like I play volleyball. I, you know, a lot of things. I'm a, a marathoner. Yeah. So I'm trying to like just give a sort of trying to explain that you can do all these things at the same time. You don't need to be a superwoman, but it's it's possible. And at the same time, we're also trying to bring in other women, men around the world who've also done, done amazing things. And to, again, I think it's to get people to that starting line of, of making amazing things happen together. Yeah. Okay. Well, I will be checking your Instagram post. I always do. And Thank I, you. and uh, I hope when it comes out, you come on my podcast again, because I'd love- I'll be here. All right. Of course. <laughs> maybe, maybe I will have traveled somewhere. <laughs> Book me in in a year's time. Then I have something that I have to get done. Yeah. You got it. You got well, Let's it. do it. Yeah. 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 I'm writing it down. Okay. Um, so where can listeners find you on social media? Right. Uh, so I'm on Instagram and it's my whole full name, Vanessa Asel Tsuruga. Um, I have my own website as well, which I try to keep um, updated. And that's the same, my name. Um, so I think I'll be very, very happy to connect with anybody. And, and I owe you a letter as well, Joanna, because I actually write letters to a lot of people who have read my book so later give me your give me your address later Joanna so I can send you something but 
Yeah, so apart from all the, <clears throat> the digital and, and social things we can do, I write postcards and letters to my readers. Nice. Hmm. Nice. Well, I could send you stuff back too. <laughs> nice. And that's the whole point, you yeah. know, starting that, you know, giving the book a second life, you know, starting new friendships, connecting with people. And that's why I wrote the book in the in the first place, to connect with people. Good, good. Listeners, if you like my podcasts, please follow, please subscribe, check out, you really, Tsuruga is spelled T as in Tom, S-U-R-U-G-A. Vanessa is on Instagram. Check out her website. Vanessa, I had so much fun chatting with you and I am, you know, I heard I follow Kobo Writing Life. I listen to their podcasts. Wonderful. And that's, I remember I, I, because what I find, I work from home with being isolated. I'll, I'll listen to classical music or jazz, piano, but I miss hearing the conversations. Oh, yeah. I, that's what I miss. So I found the Kobo Writing Life podcast with I think Tara was one of the ones who interviewed you. Tara and Stephanie, yeah. Yeah. And that's when I, I heard your story and I thought, wow. You know, and then I thought, I wonder if she would come on my podcast. <laughs> right? I thought, of course. But, you know, I thought, well, just put it out there and, and see if she, if she will. So thank you so much. And thank you for, for reaching out and just for for this amazing conversation you know between Canada between Japan but you know we we just covered the entire world yeah yeah okay well bye Vanessa thank you thank you have a great evening bye bye